I'm reading Matthew's Gospel, following after what Ray read. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to his, tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Neville and Ray. You know, for 2,000 years, Jesus of Nazareth has been on trial. In the arts, he's been on trial. From Da Vinci's Last Supper to the infamous Da Vinci Code, from Handel's Messiah to Madonna's Like a Prayer, the query has been, what's he really like? From Josephus to Jordan Peterson, commentators have trialed his relevance against the backdrop of ongoing events. From slaves to single mums, from the magi to the marginalised, comes the question, but does he really love me? Has he seen me? Does he want to know me? From the Colosseum to the present day, where 80% of the world's persecution is directed at people of the Christian faith, Jesus' witnesses and those who stand for his claims have been put to death for defending his claims. From street corners to universities, television screens and churches, people have continued to question and answer, who is he and what's it got to do with me? So why has Jesus been on trial for 2,000 years? Well, I'll tell you why Jesus has been on trial and in many senses continues to be on trial. It's because of the claims he made. Jesus came forward and claimed to be the Messiah, claimed to be the Christ, claimed to be God's anointed, God's chosen. To be God's chosen, to be the Messiah, to be the Christ, Jesus was claiming to be king of kings, that is the king above all kings. Jesus was claiming to be the arbiter of wisdom, to being the judge of all things true and all things false. Jesus was claiming to be the mediator of God's blessing, the one you come to to receive God's blessing and therefore without him you will not receive the full blessing of God. 
Jesus was claiming as Messiah to be God's appointed judge. Jesus was claiming to be the only, the only, the unique one in whom salvation could be received. And so that's why Jesus is on trial. This weekend, we remember in particular that his trial would take place in the most significant of ways in three significant stone wall courtrooms. Jesus would visit three stone wall courtrooms in which his most significant of trials would take place. And the first one you will see what it looks like today is the house of Caiaphas, the high priest. Friends, these are not fairy stories. These are historic truths. You can, as I have, stand in this place where Jesus stood. The view you have on the screen is the view Jesus would have had. Stood down in a dried out cistern that doubled as a convenient jail cell. He looked up as he was interviewed by the high priests. The chief priests who had appointed themselves as mediators between God and humans would now interrogate Jesus and would ask him about his claims. And Jesus would respond, and you can read all about it right there in Matthew 26, that indeed he was the son of God and that indeed they should anticipate seeing him at the right hand of God reigning with authority over all kingdoms, over all the earth, over all heaven. Of course, by the day's political climates, and indeed under God's sovereignty, these high priests were actually powerless to bring a final verdict upon Jesus. They heard his testimony, they refuted his claim, But in this first Stonewall court, a final declaration could not be reached. They were powerless to bring a verdict on heaven or on the earth as to whether Jesus actually was the high priest. And they would have to refer him onward. Perhaps we learn a lesson about Jesus today. That these religious figures couldn't set Jesus up as the Christ. Make no mistake, Jesus has never been the church's mascot. The church doesn't make Jesus. The church doesn't control Jesus. No, Jesus is the one that made the church. It was his promise, I will build my church and for all who believe in me, I will gather them to be my own people. He is not a mascot to be paraded by the church. He is not set up by any religious figure. He is the Lord. And so these religious figures at Caiaphas, the chief priest's house, would find that Jesus could not be trialed by them. And so they sent him on to a higher authority. They sent him to his next stone wall courtroom, the Praetorium, the place where the Roman soldiers would reside. And at this time, the Roman governor, the one who carried Caesar's seal, Pontius Pilate, was. And so before Pontius Pilate, Jesus would come. And once again, as you can see in those words from Matthew 27, Jesus was interrogated. He made no defense. He stood. These are my claims. And he stood in silence and upheld them. He doesn't seek to avoid. But you know who does seek to avoid? 
the great and mighty Pilate. Famously, and we still use the saying today, oh, I wash my hands of this situation. Pilate washes his hands as a symbol to say, whoa, too rich for my blood. I want to be distanced from this, but Pilate, you can't be distanced from this. You're the man in charge. But perhaps Pilate speaks wiser than he knows that Pilate nor the might of Caesar will actually be the court in which Jesus is trialed. That Pilate remains responsible, he's actually powerless to determine whether Jesus' claims are true. Pilate in the Praetorium Stonewall courtroom cannot tell you whether Jesus is indeed all he claimed to be or simply a liar. No, Pilate, influenced by the demands of the people, would send Jesus to a further courtroom. And at 9am on the 3rd of April, AD 33, Jesus would prepare to enter the stone-walled courtroom that actually counts. For at that time, Jesus was nailed to a Roman cross. And as the hours went by, he suffered. The sky turned dark at 12 noon. And by 3 p.m. in the afternoon, Jesus breathed his last. He died. Later that evening, a man called Joseph of Arimathea took Jesus' body and took him into the stone-walled courtroom that counts, took him and laid him in his own tomb. And this would be the courtroom. This would be where Jesus' true trial would take place. This is the room where we find out once and for all, is this man who he claimed to be? Why do we say that? Well, because Jesus told us to prepare for that. You will see on the screen, Matthew 12, 39 to 40. Jesus was once interrogated earlier. They said, if you're this guy, give us a sign so we might believe. And Jesus said, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a a miraculous sign. He's saying, you're wicked and adulterous. Adulterous, you're unfaithful. You don't believe what you've seen already. You ask for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Everyone says, what? Perhaps Jesus is raising intrigue with this language. He says, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, just as he went down, so the Son of Man, Jesus' title for himself, so I will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That's the only sign I'm going to give you. You see me go down, if I get back up, you better start paying attention. That's the one sign. There are many things you can see, but I want you to look in one spot and one spot only. No tricks. One spot. You see me go into a tomb and come out, you start believing. And this has been the Bible's message for a long time. A thousand years before Jesus walked the earth, Psalm 16.10 said, The Lord would not let his Holy One see decay. This was the promise. The one who doesn't stay dead, he's my choice. Later, the apostles in Acts chapter 2 would point back and say, you know Jesus is really the Christ because he didn't stay dead. So here's the thing, folks. I started by saying Jesus of Nazareth has been on trial for 2,000 years. The truth is, Jesus of Nazareth may still be on trial but Jesus Christ is not. 
because Jesus Christ is the title given to Jesus of Nazareth by God. He is confirmed as the Christ, the one who brings God's blessing, the only one in whom there is salvation, the one who is the arbiter of wisdom and truth. He is God's Christ, Christ, and the resurrection confirms his claim. It's that stone-walled tomb that provides the indisputable confirmation, God's decision, God's declaration, this is the one. This is the Christ. Trust in him. Of course, the challenges still come to this day to that truth. Some, sta- some say, well, it was an empty tomb because his body was stolen. They say that to this day. It's the perfect problem. If his body was stolen, then this is all a hoax. It's such a perfect problem that it's a problem that was anticipated. And you heard in the reading that the very first cynics said, make sure they don't steal the body. And indeed, Pilate made sure they didn't steal steal the body. He put a Roman guard there, the seal of Caesar on the tomb, the heavy stone. This is as high a security as you can get in the day. No one stole the body. That's simply impossible. You see, friends, historians don't debate whether Jesus walked the earth. No credible historian debates that. The question is the one that C.S. Lewis put to everybody. So this Jesus who walked the earth, is he Lord, liar, or lunatic? Well, if he's a liar, he died for that lie. And so did many, many of his followers up to this day. Those who saw his life died for a lie. That seems crazy. Or he's a lunatic. And then we must abandon all all the great teaching, the wonderful wisdom that has shaped the world of both believers and unbelievers alike. The empty tomb cries out to us with the testimony and says, just believe, surely this is the Lord. Surely this is the Christ. He's been trialed in three stone wall courtrooms and the one that counts confirms it. Today, And in a previous era, there were problems with Jesus being the Christ because people said, well, the witnesses are incredible. They're female. And in the ancient world, that doesn't count. But Jesus showed that he is Jesus for everyone. And Jesus was the one that started the sexual revolution where he said, no, no, trust them. Their testimony is sound. The story has changed to this day where the objection is, this is such an old story. Like being an old story is something that means we shouldn't believe it. No, being an old story confirms that despite the persecution of the world and then the internal dysfunction of a church, which let's face it, is a community of self-confessed sinners and dysfunctionals, of which I am one of the leaders, hello, the story doesn't go away because the truth always outs. The story of Jesus resurrected is timeless. Some reject this truth because it's an inconvenient truth. It is an inconvenient truth. But many historians will tell you, if you take Jesus out of history, there's a big hole in the jigsaw that is the timeline of history. Jesus comes and he changes history. Here's the inconvenient side of that. If Jesus, the Christ, is the figure who changes history, then Jesus is the Christ who changes you. Jesus is the one who will call all of us to repentance, to no longer trust in ourselves and walk in rebellion to God, 
but to trust in him, the one God has confirmed as his choice in a stone-walled courtroom. Because of Jesus' inconvenient truth that he is Lord of all, lies are told. We hear in the media so constantly that Christianity and faith in Jesus is dying. Those statistics may be true locally, but at best they're ignorant, at worst they're racist, because around the world the gospel and faith in Jesus is exploding with thousands upon thousands of people every day come to faith in Jesus in places like Africa and China. Remember, Jesus is not the mascot of an Anglo church. Jesus is the Lord of all and all people. And maybe just the face and color of Christianity is changing. But the Lord's not. He continues to advance his kingdom. You know, as I reflect upon these things, I realize what an enormous amount of faith it must take not to believe. An enormous amount of faith not to put your trust in Jesus. But, 2,000 years ago, his disciples did believe. Can you imagine, as we look at Matthew 28, verse 10, this challenge? Jesus meets the women who first saw him, and he says to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now, some of these names mean nothing to us. Galilee, oh yeah, that's a Jesus place. Jerusalem, that's a Jesus place. I've been to these places, and these two places are almost 200 kilometers apart, and no one's driving a Tesla. What's just been said? Jesus has said to these first witnesses, these women, when you see those who would have faith in me, when you see those who believe that I am risen, tell them to take a step. Actually, tell them to take a couple of thousand steps. Because we're standing in Jerusalem. Tell them they'll see me about 200 kilometers away in Galilee. And so if you believe, if you believe the testimony of a stone-walled courtroom that declares him Christ and Lord forever, point yourself at Galilee and move. Brothers and sisters, this morning on this Easter Sunday, I want to call you to the same kind of response. Do you believe? Because if you believe, then it's time to make a move. It's time to take a step. Jesus has been on trial for 2,000 years. And today now, it's your chance to pass a verdict. The stonewalled courtroom has made its decision. But what about you? This morning, I want to invite you to share in a moment of decision-making. And you can do that by picking up this card. Now, you might say, I've seen these cards a million times. I did this on Friday, actually. That's okay. One of the things we said this morning is a commandment from Jesus. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And this morning, somebody among us might need to make one of the most significant decisions of their lives. And so I'm wondering if your act of love to them would be to participate as well. Even if you say, you know me, I'm Robin. Thank you, Robin. Fill in your card with me. And I'm going to fill in mine here too. Would you take up your card with me? You know, as you look down through the card, you'll see there's a, different, a number of different things that you can decide. The thing I'm going to tick, you might be relieved to hear as I've been giving you this message this morning, is that I'm going to continue to trust Jesus. So I'm going to tick that because I am a follower of Jesus and I've been walking with him for a number of years now and I plan to keep going. I believe. 
And I hope to keep walking and walking and walking with him until I see him face to face. And I pray that for all of my brothers and sisters here. But perhaps that's not your story. Perhaps you haven't yet come to know Jesus. Perhaps someone who brought you this morning has continued to tell you about Jesus and they've told you some wonderful things and maybe I've just confirmed that message this morning and you want to begin to trust Jesus. Now let's be realistic. I don't presume that in 15 minutes I convince you to change your whole life. But sometimes God does amazing things. He did it for me once where he softened my heart and he called me to himself. Maybe that's happening for you today. Maybe it's not. But if today you do want to decide to follow Jesus and you're sure about that, then praise God for you. The angels of heaven celebrate. The second box is for you if today is a new beginning. And that's wonderful. I'm going to pause for a moment. I'm going to pray for you and pray with you. This is our prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he was so clear to tell us there is one place to look to see if my claims are true. Thank you that you raised him from the dead and the tomb is empty. I confess him to be Christ and Lord. I thank you that salvation is found in him and I ask you now, Jesus, save me and be my Lord. Amen. If that was your prayer, then bless you. Now, perhaps you're not ready to make that prayer. Perhaps you're undecided. That's, that's a wonderful place to be as well because you're searching for truth. The next box is for you. You might say, I'm undecided. I'm trying to work this thing out. Wonderful. Let us know. And actually, over the page, there's some details there about some wonderful courses. We'll tell you a little bit more about where you can learn more about Jesus. And you know, church is a place of truth. And so the last box might be for you where you might tick, I don't yet trust Jesus. Here's what I want to say to you. I love that it says yet because I'm praying for you. Even if you don't want me to, I'm praying for you. And the other thing I want to say is you've done amazingly well. Thank you for coming to church or receiving an invitation to come to church. And thank you for listening to the message this morning. But I am praying for you that you might tick a different box a different day. What would be wonderful is for you to share your details at the bottom here. So I'm going to share mine just to show you that this is an easy thing to do. My name is Shane Dirks. My email is shane.dirks at myfac.org.au. I'll even tell you my phone number. Wait, that might confuse you when you're writing yours. But just so you know, this is real. 0425 five seven six my age is 44 I'm running out of time here so I'll stop there but I'd ask you if you would do the same and a little bit later Robin will give you some instructions upon how we can collect these up from you God bless you let me end with a prayer gracious heavenly father we once again thank you for our Lord Jesus we thank you that in him there is all hope we thank you that we can say with conviction this morning he is risen he is risen indeed amen